It's been so long since we were in the recording studio together. I know. How long has it been? I don't know, like a month and a half? Uh, that doesn't sound right, but at the same time, it's hard to disprove, right? Yeah. God, we're the best siblings in the world. We really are. <laughs> don't be so happy. to why I would know and date these guys. I'm Naomi Guy. I'm Joel Guy. And this is a podcast that we haven't been recording for the past like month and a half. We talk about sex, dating, relationships. Actually, we don't talk about those things because we're never in the same room. Everything in between um, when we get around to it. So, Joel, I'd like to start off because we always forget skip about this. The drink. We always yeah. forget about the drink. Today we are drinking the Trader Joe's Sparkling White Chardonnay Grape Juice, 100% Chardonnay grapes from Spain. This is a non-alcoholic drink. It's from Concentrate. It smells... Rank. Disgusting. It's it like a like... beer that someone like drank half of and left outside. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, for like like six like hours. Like you had a party and like yeah. you're cleaning up the, the next day. day. And you're trying yeah. not to gag because yeah. you're hungover. Well, let's give it a sip. <laughs> I don't like it. I like it. Okay, um, you can drink the rest of it. It's like a pear cider. I enjoy pear cider. It's not quite as peary as like an ace cider, but it's got like a very clear profile. Um, it's fruity. It. I don't like the smell and smells a big part <laughs> so, of flavor. So gross. But no, I, I'd, I'd buy this again. The price was like three bucks. It was super reasonable. Uh, no complaints on my end, but uh, I can definitely understand. This is like the durian of drinks. <laughs> It has a decent flavor profile if you can get past your desire to retch. Yeah, that's right. Naomi, it's been a while. It has been a while. Um, There's been sickness. So many events. There's been trips. There's been Joel in a funk. Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff that has stood in the way. We've still had, like, content. We've gotten together with our significant others. We've had backlogged stuff, but... um, I have to admit, your funk came at just the right time because I was also about to be like, hey, can we take a break for a little bit because I'm really overwhelmed by school. And then I ended school. Like, I graduated. I'm done with college i have a bs you have a bs i'm so proud of you naomi what's your bs in my bs is in um bullshitting light i'm just kidding um my bs is in um community health i got a degree from asu alabama state alabama state alaska state and arkansas state Mm -hmm. and albany state there we go (laughs) i don't think albany is a state but no 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 it's like albany okay whatever there's an Albany ASU. Anyways, so um, I got a degree. Um, I finished early. I finished with a 3.7 GPA, which I'm proud Sweet. of because I almost dropped out this semester. I It was either drop out or graduate, and I chose to graduate. So Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I feel that was the better choice, but only time will tell. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so Naomi, what are you aiming for long-term and what are you going to be doing with yourself in the short term? So short-term, I kind of freaked out because I've been job hunting for like over a month and haven't heard anything back until like really recently. And so um, I did a bunch of interviews and all of them sort of fell through, which I'm glad about because they didn't seem like the right fit. But I was like, I'm just trying to like get a job to pay the bills. And so um, 
for right now at least, because you know, like entry level jobs, it's hard to find like a good paying entry level job unless you have a degree in like hard to find a good paying job business or like some shit like that. And you have good connections. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, I actually just got a job. I'm not going to mention any names, but it's for a community health center here in Arizona. And I'm going to be working, um, um, directly with HIV patients, which is exciting because I have a lot of experience with that. So that's very cool. And then long term, are you looking for more education? Are you looking to take over as CEO of your community health organization? So right now I applied to UCSD. That was probably one of our last updates. That Which we one did. is UCSD? It's University of California, San Diego. Um, so I applied there for grad school, um, public health, and I'm waiting to hear back, but I don't know if I'm going to hear back until like March or April. Um, even though I did do early decisions, so I'll keep mm-hmm. you posted on that. Um, look, if they accepted friend of the pod, Giselle Lee, they'll accept anyone. Oh, they, she, she applied there. Oh, I don't know if that's true. Uh, I was just saying <laughs> if any college accepted if Giselle. Any college. <laughs> what are you talking about? RJ? Uh, yeah um and so um i applied there i'm waiting to hear back on that but i still don't know if that's like um in the plans for me i kind of applied to see what would happen and i'm waiting to get a decision back to i'm I'm leaving it up to the fates as i say okay and by the fates you mean the ultra competitive uc school system yeah but i'm assuming that it's a little less competitive in the master's program potentially i i'm assuming there's a great need for people in all levels of health and medicine yeah. right now because nurses are fleeing the profession yeah. or dying or both. Uh, same with teachers. Yeah. So uh, best of luck to you, Naomi. Thank you. Really, really good job Joel, on the what's degree. what's been going on with you? Really nothing. Stress at work. Same old, same old. Hot. Um, I'm going to Kansas in a few days with my significant other. Aww. I'm going to be so cold. Oh, my God. It's going to be a high of 11 degrees. Yeah. It's going to be a low of negative six some days. I... Lauren is like, you'll love the downtown. And I'm like, I am not leaving the bed the entire time. <laughs> You're just going to be Charlie and the Chocolate Factory's grandparents. That is going to be me. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, so I follow one of my former professors who I consider a friend of mine. And she went back to Minnesota for Christmas and she showed like the weather and it was like negative 30. And I was like, what the fuck is Minnesota? Well, Naomi and I both went to the same high school and I had a teacher who I won't mention, who is no longer with us. Great, great teacher. And he was kind of a weirdo because he taught physics two at Berkeley for a number of years and then was like, you know what? I hate physics too. I want to move to Minnesota to raise sheep. And so his wife was like, sure, that sounds like a plan. And they moved to Minnesota and were there for like 15 years raising sheep. And he would tell us stories about like going out in the middle of the winter and setting fires on the ground because the sheep had frozen to the ground. Oh my God. And, and like all this stuff you have to do to insulate your barn so your freeze don't, uh, your freeze, your sheep don't turn into freezicles. And, and, and he would also like go into graphic detail about like what you'd have to do in order to like keep sheep like alive and healthy and like sheep birthing processes. He was great. And at some point he was like, you know what? Maybe this whole sheep farming thing isn't what it's all cut out to be. So he moved to Arizona and I think learned French in order to translate the first calculus textbooks that had ever been published by, uh, who is it? Augustin Cauchy. 
and wrote like an introduction to calculus using like the first calculus textbooks. And then was like, I'm going to teach calculus at public school. <laughs> so interesting dude, very interesting dude. Um, but I have a lot of respect for people who can tolerate negative 30 degree temperatures. Here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Sheep, right? So like they're out in the wild <laughs> and they like die because they have too much fluff on them. You know what I'm talking about? Sure. How did sheep survive before we like put them on farms? Uh, some symbiotic relationship with wolves. Wolves like take a bite out of their 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 wool and use it to floss their teeth. They wouldn't go any further. I hate you so much because for a second there, I actually believed you. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Naomi, this is the first podcast of our new year. We're eight minutes in. I think we need to do a better job of getting to the meat of our episode. What are we talking about We today? were just catching up, bro. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a podcast episode. We're recording? Oh, my God. Um, Personal goals for my new year. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, I want to talk about this because I think we talked about this last year as well, beginning of 2021. We did, yes. And I think at that it's point 2022. we- Oh, oh, right. End of 2021, beginning of 2022. This is the end of 2022, beginning of 2023. I'm just filling time. (laughs) You want a neat hour-long podcast every single time. Can't deviate from that or the advertisers will will start dropping like flies. Oh, yeah. The advertisers, (laughs) (laughs) plural. Boy, the the, the, the InfoWars sponsorship (laughs) is evaporating before our eyes, Naomi. Um, So I think we didn't have a clear idea of what we wanted for this podcast, and I think even if we did have a clear idea, there were certain like world events that happened that kind of shaped the direction we took this. Would you would you say that's fair? I think that's extremely fair because we started it in the middle of history. Well, I mean, we're always <laughs> in history, but what I'm saying is like we started this podcast in the middle of a giant shitty situation. You're gonna have to be way more specific than that, Naomi. Well, we started in the middle of um of COVID, COVID. Yeah. and so in the middle of the pandemic, and so every day it was a new piece of history being made. The 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 vaccines. I, the- I guess what I'm getting at is beginning of our podcast, we were like, let's discuss dating culture. And yeah. in the middle of 2022, it was like, by the way, women no longer have rights. Well, if you were wait, if you would listen. <laughs> and you didn't interrupt me, we would get to the point That's of half like the fun of this podcast. All of the things that we have like seen through this podcast and through recording this podcast, it's it's shaped the way that we have continued this podcast. And I feel like I said podcast like eight times in that sentence. Yeah. So I feel like every single time that a new event happens, it's changed the way that we look at our podcast. It's changed the way that people like who comes to listen to our podcast. So just constantly differing. And I think that's what makes our podcast so unique because every single time we have time, no structure, we have no structure, <laughs> but at the same time, goals. no, I think we do have long-term goals. I, in the sense of we want to keep doing this because it, it helps us process what's going on in the world. It helps other people to like, catch up on the news without getting really depressed. Well, you get really depressed <laughs> recording. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like some people, like I've heard from some of my friends are like, I listen to your podcast to catch up on news. And then I just don't look at the news because it depresses me so much. Damn. I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know either. Yeah. I, I think 
world events have certainly shaped the direction we wanted to take. I know at the beginning we were really interested in becoming like big on social media, but then it's like, oh, Instagram's really bad for people's health and Twitter got taken over by far right fascists. So I don't know if we want to continue supporting these platforms. And I feel, you know, if you build like a community of people who are interested in your content, you don't need to have like a big social media presence in order to be successful every week. So I, I, I certainly agree that I think we changed the trajectory based off of like events and we probably will. Um, I, I imagine, you know, changes in Arizona may impact this podcast. I imagine, you know, national and international politics may have some influence on this podcast. I, I think there's some interesting developments in medicine, which may have impacts on this podcast. Um, I, I, I can imagine a lot of different directions this could be taken in future years. Yeah. But today I don't want to reflect upon our I don't want to reflect upon, you know, what's already like written history. I want to talk about the future and okay. how we're going to be setting goals both for the podcast and for ourselves moving forward. And the context here is, I don't know when we discuss this, but I know at some point we discussed smart goals on this podcast. Yeah. And I, it wasn't the beginning of the year episode from last year. That was me ranting about trans issues. Um, <laughs> and it, you're going to do that again. I'll do that again. <laughs> Fight me in real life. Uh, but... One of the things we said is, you know, hey, you know, if you're setting goals, make sure that they're smart. Make sure, you know, they're specific, they're measurable, they're action-oriented, they're realistic, and they're time-oriented. And I don't think that's a bad piece of advice. The issue, as many people have probably realized coming around the sun one more time, is that even if they followed that advice, they still probably didn't achieve a lot of the things they set out to. And I don't think you should beat yourself up. I think goals are aspirational. They're not like a thing you need to do in order to live or die another day. I think it's perfectly fine if you fall short of greatness, if you, you know, aim for high heights and, you know, don't quite make it. But I think it's also worth reflecting if you're an individual who wants to be better in the coming year, how do you actually like manifest that? And I, I, maybe I don't mean manifest. That's like secret level. (laughs) No, I would like to like I would like to extend on that be, that point just because I feel like the reason why a lot of people didn't hit their goals and haven't been hitting their goals for the past couple of years is completely understandable. Like we are going through a time that is so extremely stressful. Like in the past year, Arizona specifically has seen more inflation right. than since like what, the 70s or something? It's the highest inflation for consumer goods of any major city in the country. It it's mind boggling. It's crazy. And so I, for instance, have been giving myself a lot more slack because it's like, okay, you're going through a hard time. Your body is stressed and you're adding more to it. So like, how about you just chill out? It'll mm-hmm. happen when it happens. When you feel motivated to do it, do it. But I feel like a lot of people are stressing themselves out because we're going back to the pre-2020 mindset of go, 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 and don't wear a mask anywhere. And they people are continuing to get sick and people mm-hmm. are continuing to go through situations where they're like, oh, well, they're trying to they're bring back history of the capitalist society that we used to live in, but you can't go back if so many things have changed. Right. And I think just to underline your point, a lot of people have less money, more people are stressed about, you know, the yeah. financial situation. Maybe you wanted to take like a pottery class beginning of the year and you're like, I don't have the time because I'm working so much and also I don't have, you know, 250 bucks lying around yeah. to take it. So I, I, I feel that's a, that's a really good point. 
just because you didn't make your goals doesn't make you a bad person. Just because you didn't make your goals doesn't mean like you're don't have, you know, the, the, the ability to control yourself and your impulses. Yeah. Uh, there are certainly things outside of your control, but I do think even with, you know, situations outside of your control, there is still a way to stay on the path. Mm-hmm. And the reason I think that is because I read a book uh, while I was traveling in Peru over, over this summer called Atomic Habits about the neuropsychology of how you can make better, um, uh, not even goals per se, just just make better plans for the future and follow through on them. Habits. Oh, that's, boy, I really <laughs> missed that in the title. <laughs> Uh, so we don't really need to dig too much into detail. It's a very quick read. I'm not going to like spend a lot of time digging through the actual text, uh, mostly because the copy I have is a digital copy on my phone, and it's a little oh, awkward flipping through that. Yeah, yeah uh, I think it was like 400 pages on my phone, but that's because the text was shrunk mm-hmm. um, to fit the pages, so it would you know be much shorter if you were actually printing on a normal paper. Um, but Atomic Habits' main thesis is goal setting is silly because people don't actually want to set goals. They want to have systems in place that allow them to achieve outcomes. So the difference is a goal is something that you are trying to achieve. It's not the way you actually achieve it. And when we talked about SMART goals, we were like, well, make sure it's action-oriented. Make sure you have some way of like doing the thing. But that doesn't really tell you how to make something action-oriented. All it says is try to do a goal that like you can work towards, which isn't necessarily the best of advice. It can be for someone who's absolutely no idea how to like set goals for the future, but it can also be deeply confusing and give people a sense of helplessness. So Atomic Habits is how do you create processes and systems that allow you to become a better version of yourself? Uh, Do you want to be more attractive, more interesting, more confident? Do you want to be a better partner? Are you trying to be a sort of person that other people find attractive because you're dating online, right? So this is advice that's both for single people or for people who are already in a relationship, or if you're perfectly fine being by yourself, maybe you, you know, want to be some better version of yourself. And again, don't think that because you're setting goals right now at the beginning of 2023, you have to accomplish all of them. Don't beat yourself up because you, you know, haven't accomplished them. But think about the things that you consider important in life. Think about things that you would find cool or appealing, you know, attributes to have. Do you want to learn a new language? Do you want to, you know, lose some weight? Do you want to be more physically active? Do you want to have done certain activities, like, you know, visited certain state parks, national parks, museums? Um, think critically about things you want to do in 2023 and try to set up the systems and networks that allow you to accomplish those things. Um, do we want to talk at all about our goals for the podcast or should we save that for our like I think we two should, year update? I think we should wait. We should wait. Yes, okay. because I feel like when you're setting up goals for the year, you set up goals for the year for yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't set up goals for the year for your business. Sure, sure. So um, this book was written by James Clear. I did some research. I don't know anything about James Clear. Okay. He gives a little bit of information at the beginning of the book about like how he started blogging about human behavior and neuroscience. And to my knowledge, he doesn't have like an advanced degree or any sort of like research background on like neuropsychology. He may have just read a bunch of research papers and was like, I'm going to translate this into useful advice for my audience. Why is this everyone on TikTok? This is, oh my God, you're right. Yeah, he he was the... I also, I came up with the conclusion the other day, totally off topic, but you know that new like Instagram notes feature? 
Sure. It's the new MySpace, like, status update. Sure. I told that to your significant other, Lauren, and she, she was like, oh, my God, you're so right. I'm editing this episode and cutting all of this out. Okay, cool. Keep going. I lost my train of thought. Thanks, Naomi. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> he seems to just be some dude who started, like, writing about a thing that he was interested in and got a crazy amount of followers and got a crazy amount of media attention and then eventually transferred all of the stuff he'd written into a book. And a crazy number of people are really interested in atomic habits and he has you know rants and raves from tech ceos and fortune 500 founders and all sorts of influential people in news and politics which maybe isn't always the best sign <laughs> but i think it at least indicates that a lot of people found utility in what he had to say um and the big thing he stresses again is that you can set goals but you need to have systems in place to support them and i'm going to walk through kind of some of the techniques he talks about in order to achieve that um, I think it's also kind of reassuring because I know we've talked before about like writing a book mm-hmm. or doing an app. And if some dude can just like be like, hey, I know about habits, we can also be some people mm-hmm. who are just like dating relationships. We read some books about them and did some research. And now we're the foremost authorities on TikTok. I actually deleted TikTok. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, it's been two weeks and my fingers don't know what to do, but my bot, my mind has found more patience in the last two weeks than I've had in years. I am so proud of yeah. you. So without further ado, I think we need to jump in. Yes. We're going to stop at a couple different points and Perfect. think about some of the goals we're thinking about doing yeah. for the coming year. And if you can think of anything we might want to do for the podcast based off this, please let me know. So the general idea is outcomes are a measure of your habits. Um, your habits are the things you do on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly, yearly basis, and they all add up to some manifestation of you. And a big thing he stresses throughout the book is minor changes in your habits add up to really, really big changes down the road. So like one example he gives is if you eat 1% less calories every day for a year, you have a crazy reduction in weight right? If you get 1% better, if you learn, you know, 1% more vocab words every single day for your language you're working on, you're going to be significantly better at the end of the year. And he's like, look, a lot of people want this sort of like Rocky movie montage of uh, training where in five, 10 minutes, you go through the entire cycle of like hard work. And the problem is, you don't really need to work hard in order to have really big differences. You just need to set something in stone you do consistently and, you know, iterate upon that on a consistent basis. He's a big believer you need to be doing stuff on a consistent basis. It doesn't necessarily need to be daily, but you need to have some kind of thing to support your eventual goal where you're making progress on it and not giving up on it or backtracking. I've always been told that if you want to start a habit, like, for instance, like simple, like uh, making your bed, you do it every single day for 90 days and then it becomes a habit. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I've heard little tips that I've picked up over the years. Like one big thing is if you're really bad at cleaning, like set yourself really tiny goals. Be like, you know, I will just pick up my coffee table. Mm -hmm. I will just make my bed. And by the time you finished making the bed, your brain's like, well, that was easy. I can, you know, start doing other stuff and Mm -hmm. it's easier for you to do stuff. Or set yourself like a time limit and say, for only two minutes, I will clean up. And by the end of that... If you want to take a break, great. You have two minutes of cleaning under, you know, your belt you didn't have before. But most of the time, your brain's going to be in that mood where it's like, okay, I guess that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, and you can make progress on it there. It's interesting how often we trick our brains. 
yeah, and that, that that's I think something that's an underlying current too, where he's like, human brains aren't necessarily bad; they're just designed for like very specific things, and so it's important that you create the neural networks to support certain things rather than others because it's really easy to fall into like bad habits or bad traps. So he makes a distinction between goals and systems. Goals are about the results you want to achieve. I want to, you know, be 50 pounds lighter. I want to know how to speak German. I want to be, you know, the first person in space, right? They can be really small. They can be like really, really big. But they're the thing, the end goal you want out of something. Now, a system is the process that leads to that result. So goals are really good if you want to get a general idea of the direction you're heading, but if you want to actually make progress, you need a process every day in order to make a difference. So at the beginning of the year, it's great if you say, I want to lose 50 pounds, but without knowing how do you actually lose weight, how do you actually reduce calories from your diet, what you're actually going to be doing on a daily basis, you know, I'm not going to be drinking soda, I'm going to be, you know, sticking only to lean protein, I'm going to, you know, use less, I don't know, butter in my cooking, which don't do that, that's, that's a bad mistake. That's a cardinal sin. You, yeah, you need to have a process in order to support the goal, and you need to, like, write down and jot down and annotate the things that you're going to do that are going to make an actual difference. Um, now, Another point he likes to underline is that winners and losers typically have the same goals. Um, a lot of people want to be rich and famous. A lot of people want to be successful. A lot of people want to learn a language. The difference between the people who do this and the people who don't often is they have a process in place for accomplishing this. Now, that's not to say luck doesn't play a role, because like obviously if you're successful in Hollywood, you probably either were lucky or had some support from people in your family. But the people who are successful in like their day-to-day lives and activities often have like the process and mental models already in place that allow them to like get stuff done. Um, And the purpose of setting goals is to win the game. The purpose of building systems is to continue playing the game. Because a lot of people who say, you know, I want to lose weight, they don't want to lose 50 pounds. They want to lose 50 pounds and keep it off. And that seems like a really subtle difference, but a lot of people who lose weight find that it rebounds almost immediately because they did like some change and then immediately gave up on the techniques that they had like done and established in order to get to that point. So only if you're building like a long-term system will you be able to accomplish like that, that better idealized version of yourself. So changing our habits is challenging for two main reasons. The first is we try to change the wrong thing, and the second is we try to change our habits in the wrong way. So there's three actual layers to behavior change. The first is changing your outcomes. This level is concerned with changing your results, losing weight, publishing a book, winning a championship. Most of the goals you set are associated with this level of change. The second layer is changing your process. This level is concerned with changing your habits and systems, implementing a new routine at the gym, decluttering your desk for better workflow, developing a meditation practice. Most of the habits you build are associated with this level. And then finally, the third and deepest layer is changing your identity. This level is concerned with changing your beliefs, your worldview, your self-image, your judgments about yourself and others. Most of the beliefs, assumptions, and biases you hold are associated with this level. The alternative to traditional goal setting is to build identity-based habits. With this approach, he creates kind of a foundation for understanding how to build all habits in general. Any questions so far? No. Okay. And again, this is a completely different way of kind of thinking about habits. Because a lot of people are like, I want to learn a language. They don't think of themselves as someone who knows multiple languages. They say, I want to lose weight. They don't think of themselves as someone who's athletic, who eats well, who is like a healthy person. A lot of people are like, I want to become a more loving partner. 
or I want to do more nice things for my partner. They don't think of themselves as like a person who's consciously looking out every day for a way to like improve the life of their significant other. So it's really important to have an identity that aligns with your goals because then everything that you're doing is in alignment. You're not like, you don't have these like eternal contradictions where you only focus on one element and disregard others. Everything you're doing is supporting the long-term goal and objective you have. Um, so nail biting. Uh, so one example that he gives uh, from some, one of the people who like wrote into his blog is someone had a really big issue with nail biting. And um, it, it, the gentleman writes in and says, the thing that I did to change my behavior from biting my nails, which I've been doing for years, was I asked my wife to schedule a manicure. And I'd never had a manicure before. I'd never had a desire for a manicure. But my thought was that if I started paying attention to maintain my nails, I wouldn't chew them. And it worked, but not because manicures were expensive. What happened was that the manicure made my fingers look really nice for the first time. The manicurist even said that other than the chewing, I had really healthy, attractive nails. Suddenly, I was proud of my fingernails. So his point is, the ultimate form of intrinsic motivation is when a habit becomes part of your identity. It's one thing to say I'm the type of person who wants this. It's something very different to say I'm the type of person who is this. So compare the two like situations. One person says, I have a goal of no longer biting my fingernails. The other person says, I have a goal of maintaining nice fingernails. And then you can start to think about the habits and processes that might drive, how do you have better fingernails? Do you schedule a manicure on a weekly basis? Do you like get a nail polish, like a lacquer or something that has like, what is it? Um, horse root in it that prevents you from biting? Do you, you know, have like a little rubber band you snap against your hand when, you know, you find yourself biting your fingernails? Do you tell other people in your life, hey, whenever I bite my fingernails, can you like gently remind me not to do it, right? It, it's creating an identity where every part of, of the things you do supports the, the overarching goal of no longer biting your fingernails. And again, you can imagine someone who says, I want to stop biting my fingernails, and they don't really know how to accomplish it. There's not really a A to B to C process. They're just like, well, I'm going to be mean to myself. I'm going to say, you suck. when like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I catch myself biting my fingernails. But you're not really doing anything to change who you are as a person that might start the process of biting the fingernails. Like if you do it out of stress, if you do it like when you're hungry, but like you don't have any food around, if you do it like when you're at a scary movie and you're like concerned, you have to think about the things that support it and then build up the identity to, you know, prevent that activity from happening. And he'll get in a little more detail about how to do that. Um, yeah, so uh, it's one thing to say I'm the type of person who wants this. It's something very different to say I'm the type of person who does this. Now, new identities require new evidence. If you keep casting the same votes you've always cast, you're always going to get the same results. If nothing changes, nothing is going to change. So you have to decide the type of person you want to be and prove it to yourself with small wins. So one example he says is I have a friend who lost over 100 pounds by simply asking herself the question whenever she's eating, what would a healthy person do, right? So it wasn't like you suck if you eat that cake. It's not you're a bad person if you haven't lost 10 pounds by like March. It's I am confronted with a meal. I can go to, you know, Subway. I can go to Salad and Go. I can go to McDonald's. The question is not, is there a moral element attached to this behavior? It's what would the person I'm trying to be do in this situation? And I think that's a really important question because too often people can get tied up with this idea that they're a bad person for not achieving their goals. And the answer is there's really nothing about a lot of people's goals that are intrinsically bad or good. Rather, it's 
think about who you want to be and whether that person would make the same decisions you are and then making a decision. And I think even in there, there's a, a sense of graciousness where it's like, I want to be a healthy person. However, I had a really bad day at work. Just this once, I'm going to, you know, have a slice of chocolate cake. I'm going to, you know, eat a sub or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, does all this also make sense? I know we're... we're... So we're going to get into what the processes are for identifying a habit and then changing it in just a few. But I want to talk about some of the goals you might have set at the beginning of 2022 and whether or not you feel you achieve them. Okay, so... I wanted to read more books at the beginning of 2022, and I don't feel like I achieved that goal for a variety of reasons, but I feel like I pinpointed the main reason, and that's because of social media, more specifically TikTok, and I feel like I was craving that downtime, and my brain was like, oh, if you read a book, you're going to have to like focus on something more, and my brain was just so mentally exhausted mm-hmm. from like life, school, like things like that, that I was like, oh, well, I could just aimlessly scroll through Instagram and get like feel better. That's a dream. And so when I watched the Wednesday series on Netflix, I watched a um, couple, I, I like love Jen Ortega, so I watched a couple interviews with her, and she was talking about the fact that she had to learn the cello and and German and all these different things for her role um, just to get ready for it. And I was like, well, maybe if I put down my freaking phone, I would actually be able to like do things like that. Nice. And so I think that the main goal for this year is since I have like rewired my brain since deleting TikTok, I'm going to be able to achieve the goals that I set for last year plus more. I think you're on the right track. I think you're still being a little aspirational. Okay. Where you're not thinking of yourself as a reader. You're not thinking of yourself as someone who consumes, you know, literature and knowledge with a voracious appetite. You're still thinking of yourself as someone who occasionally picks up a book because they've, you know, developed a process to do it. And we're going to discuss a little bit more about how you can sort of reshape that thinking and how you can move towards it. But, you know, just some, some general advice is, you know, think are the reasons I don't normally read? Is it because I'm distracted by social media? Is it because I don't have a comfortable place to read? Is it because, you know, there's other things going on in my life, like a dirty house, and so I need to find a quieter place, like, I don't know, um, you know, a, a back room or the library or someplace where I can, you know, feel really comfortable sitting down for like an hour or two on end and reading. Maybe think if there's ways to, you know, make reading more accessible, like putting books on your phone or having audiobooks. Um, you know, think about what constitutes a book and what the end result is. Is it, you know, I want to read more books so I can appear really snooty and intellectual? Or is it, I want to read more books so I can absorb more knowledge and, you know, be more confident in a wide range of areas? So, yeah, it's, it's a very all-encompassing perspective of, like, goal setting. And, again, I don't think the goal is a bad one, per se. You just have to think more strategically about how to integrate the end result with your life. Okay. Um, one example... I would give is, um, I mean, I, I also wanted to read more. I wanted to um, go to the gym more in the last year. And I gotta say, COVID's put a big tamper on it. Yeah. And the mental model I have where I'm like, I want to go to the gym, but simultaneously, like, I feel really uncomfortable spending so much time around maskless people who never wipe down their sweaty COVID treadmills after they're done Mm -hmm. and that makes me like uncomfortable and I mentally justify not going to the gym which you can be like okay Joel you made the right decision but simultaneously the goal was I want to go to the gym with the end result of being a healthier more fit person Mm -hmm. you don't need to go to the gym in order to be healthier and more fit yeah 
And with the mental model more like, I want to be a healthier, more fit person, just having the barrier of like COVID at the gym wouldn't prevent me from working out more. I'd, you know, go on runs. I'd, you know, do more physical activity at home or in my backyard. Mm -hmm. I'd install install a pull-up bar and my house and you know do a pull up every time I walk through a door or something right there's a lot of pull up bars it's a a lot of pull ups then I just never leave rooms in my house (laughs) or enter certain rooms but but the idea is again like you have to think about the all encompassing process of the end result you can't be like my end result my my goal is becoming a fitter person without thinking about all the things in the lifestyle that supports that and so that's what he's going to get into in just a few so jumping back to the outline, which I've lost. Okay, the process of building a habit can be divided into four simple steps. Cue, craving, response, reward. Reward, reward, reward. <laughs> Cue, craving, response, reward. You don't crave smoking a cigarette, Naomi. I know you like the, the Lucy's. The Lucy's? <laughs> the cigars on special occasions. I stopped smoking cigars when I stopped drinking and smoking cigars together. So oh, I can't good. I can't soberly smoke <laughs> a cigar. No, because like I can't soberly smoke a cigar. Like I have to do it while I'm like extremely drunk. And so if I don't get extremely drunk, then I don't smoke cigars. Therefore, I will not get lung cancer. Look at you. You've created a good habit. <laughs> so you're not motivated by brushing your teeth, but rather by the feeling of a clean mouth or like the smell of good breath. You don't want to turn on the television, you want to be entertained, right? So every craving is linked by a desire to change an internal state. Right. If you want cheese, it's because you want tasty stings in your mouth or because you're hungry. Tasty stings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if you crave, you know, social media, it's because you want to be entertained. The thoughts, feelings, and emotions of the observer are what transform a cue into a craving. The response is the actual habit you perform, which can take the form of a thought or an action. Whether the response occurs depends on how motivated you are and how much friction is associated with the behavior. And then finally, rewards are the end goal of every habit. The cue is about noticing the reward. The craving is about wanting a reward. The response is about obtaining the reward. So reward is a thing that satisfies your craving. Um, rewards teach us which actions are worth remembering in the future. If a behavior is insufficient in any of the four stages, it will not become a habit. So if you eliminate a cue, your habit will never start. If you reduce a craving associated with a habit, you won't experience enough motivation to act. If you make the behavior difficult, you won't be able to do it. And if the reward fails to satisfy your desire, you'll have no reason to do it again in the future. If you don't have the first three steps, a behavior will not occur. Without all four, a behavior will not be repeated. So the problem phase includes a cue and a craving. It's when you realize something needs to change. The solution phase includes the response and the reward. It's when you take action and achieve the change you desire. You don't even need to be aware of a cue for a habit to begin. You can notice an opportunity and take action without dedicating conscious attention to it. So the first thing uh, that Mr. Clear suggests is you make a point and call system for personal lives. He he calls it like a habit scorecard, which is making a list of your daily habits, asking yourself, is this a good habit, a bad habit, a neutral one? If it's a good habit, write a plus. If it's a bad habit, write a minus. Um, So ask yourself questions like, does this behavior help me become the type of person I want to be? Does this habit cast a vote for or against my desired identity? So, like, let's say you have difficulty cleaning your house and it's because, like, when you eat a meal, you leave the dishes on the table. Or, you know, you consume a snack and you put the wrapper on the table next to you. Um, Think about that as a habit and be like, does this support my preferred identity of having a clean house? 
Um, if you know you, you want to learn a language but you never have enough time to sit down, think about the habits that prevent you from being able to sit down and concentrate on flashcards or Duolingo or whatever. So the first step in changing bad habits is to be on the lookout for them. If you feel like you need extra help, you can try pointing and calling in your own life. Say out loud the action you're thinking of taking and what the outcome will be. Um, so the, the, he gives one example of you know, research that uh, was related to uh, changing behavior related to exercise. So people who were involved in this were asked to formulate a plan for when and where they would exercise over the following week. Specifically, each member of a third group completed the following sentence. During the next week, I will partake in at least 20 minutes of vigorous exercise on this day at this time in this place. 91% of a third group that was tested in this uh, you know, research study exercised at least once per, uh, once per week, more than double the normal rate. So the sentence they filled out is what researchers refer to as an implementation intention, which is a plan you make beforehand about when and where to act. That is, how they intend to implement a particular habit. So most people think they lack motivation when what they really lack is clarity. It's not always obvious when and where to take action. Some people spend their entire lives waiting for the time to be right to make an improvement. So the simplest way to apply the strategy to your habit is to think about all your habits and then write out a sentence that says, I will blank a behavior at a time in a specific location. Think about the habits you want to change and then think about how you're going to react when you want to change them. So I just threw a lot at you. Okay. The general thing that he's telling you is how habits are formed yes. and then how you can start thinking about breaking them. Yes. The important thing is to create mental models in your brain before a habit you consider bad occurs to prevent you from taking it. For instance, if you want to learn a language and you know that social media stands in the way, mm -hmm. think about what's going to happen the next time you reach for your phone. Mm -hmm. Are you going to pick up the phone and start, you know, pull up Instagram, pull up TikTok, whatever, and start scrolling through it? Or are you going to pick up your phone and turn it off? I'm going to pick up my phone and point at it and say, negative. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even that, yeah, that, that can be a good behavior. Um, if, well, that's and, what he said to do. Again, if you're trying to be more fit, but, you know, you have a problem going to the gym, think about the behaviors that do or don't support that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, try to make a conscious attempt to, you know, figure out what you're going to do when you wake up in the morning and it's too cold. Mm -hmm. You want to get out of bed and go to the gym early. Mm -hmm. If you're finished with work and you feel too tired to go to the gym afterwards. Again, it's about creating this identity where you're the sort of person who always does these actions and doesn't come up with excuses. But the first step in order to get to that point is figure out how you're going to react in situations that will stop you from achieving your goals. Get back in bed. Be a Charlie in the Chocolate Factory grandparent. I'm going to be Grandpa Joe so much. <laughs> yeah. So create a habit for creating new habits. Make a list with two columns. In the first column, write down the habits you do every day without fail. In the second column, write down all the things that happen to you every day without fail. And armed with these two lists, you can begin searching for the best place to layer your new habit into your lifestyle. Can you think of some things you do every single day without even thinking about it? Go to the bathroom. Okay. Um, brush my teeth. No, okay. I think about that. Um, oh. Eat breakfast? Eat breakfast. Like you have to put some energy into it, but you're always going to eat breakfast, right? Uh, sometimes I don't. I'd say eat lunch. Okay. Yeah. Um... What else? Uh, I write out my day mm -hmm. without thinking about it. Do you do anything like wipe down a surface or clean a mirror or uh, move some stuff around in the fridge? Yeah, every day. Walk through certain rooms. I walk through every room every day. Okay. I'm a walker. The yeah, that's what I do. Okay. So 
you, what you want to do is tie in the things you do subconsciously with the things you actually want to be doing. Um, you want to be able to slot in the existing habits you do with things, sorry, you want to slot in the things you want to do into the existing habits you do. You can use those as a trigger. So you have to think um, about also if you're in a new environment. So if you move to a different place, such as a coffee shop, a bench in a park, corner of a room, you can create new routines there much easier because your body doesn't have any like preset things that it does. Yeah. But if you're stuck in a specific spot, say there's a giant pandemic that has, has crossed the globe and shut down human society for extended periods of time that make it difficult to go to new places, um, think about the existing behaviors you have in the place you occupy, your home, apartment, whatever. Yeah, this habit making, like tracker, this habit list is interesting because um, I feel like a lot of people got into this um, there was a woman who decided to get one of those like standing desks because she was working from home during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, well, since I'm standing here, I might as well be walking and like exercising at the same time. So she got like a treadmill yeah. um, to put under her desk. And so she's walking while doing work. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's interesting because it's a habit of like, oh, you're going to be doing work anyways. You might as well be doing two things at once. Sure. Uh, when I was you know, first doing this podcast, I go to the gym and I have a book that I'd be reading those podcasts that I do together. I don't know if that's the best version of that because one of the things he suggests is the things you don't want to do, you have to make desirable. So one example would be like, if you want to go to the gym more, the only time you can use TikTok is when you're on a treadmill at the gym. Yeah. Right. Make, and you know you like TikTok. You know you want to use it less. Yeah. So do it in an activity that you know you're going to do less and make it as like an incentive. Or like you don't like to read textbooks, but you put a gummy worm after each paragraph so that you're like... That'd be really cute. I'm just picturing someone who's like hired to put gummy worms in the textbooks, <laughs> like the kids these days. So disciplined people, or quote unquote disciplined people, he refers to, are better at structuring their lives in a way that doesn't require heroic willpower and self control. They spend less time in tempting situations. Oh damn! Right. So I think a lot of disciplined people, quote unquote disciplined people, are really good about keeping their phone in their pocket most yeah. of the day. A lot of disciplined people are good about, like, getting a membership to a gym that's on their way home from work. Mm-hmm. Disciplined people are good at, like, putting healthy foods, quote-unquote healthy foods, out in their kitchen and making them visible rather than burying them in the back of the fridge, right? It's all about structuring your life in such a way to make stuff easy. If you want to eat healthy, don't get foods you're not going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Don't be like, I'm going to start eating quinoa. No. Because if you don't like quinoa, it's going to be something gross that you don't want to do, and that habit will, you know, fail to commit. But if you really enjoy carrots, and you say, you know, I want to eat eight servings of, you know, vegetable every single day this year to support my identity as a healthy person, you go buy a big bag of baby carrots. Unfortunately, not every week, and take one to work with you every day, right? One carrot, one baby carrot. A bag, (laughs) one bag. Similarly, if you said you were interested before you started recording and maybe doing boxing this year, yeah. well, it's harder to get into boxing when the only gym I can think of is, like, super far away. No, like there isn't. There's there's other. I was looking this up this morning. There's a bunch of, like, small gyms. There's also women-owned gyms. Okay, women-owned right. boxing gyms. I take that back. My point is, consider subscribing to one that's centralized Yeah. other things that you do. Yeah. So if you go out run an errand, you're like, I need to go pick up something from Target. Well, I guess I could stop there for a few. Yeah. I have some spare time after work. Oh, well, I guess I could stop there in a few. Yeah. Rather than being like, well, I have to go home from work, change, and then drive five miles. In yeah. Direction. So one of the most practical ways to eliminate a bad habit is to reduce exposure to it. 
uh, reduce exposure to it and to the cue that causes it. Remove a single cue and the entire habit often fades away. Uh, let's say you want to spend less time on your phone. What's the best way to do that, Naomi? Delete all the apps that tempt you to be on your phone. That's a good example. I would say get a dumb phone. Get one of those like flip phones. Yeah. No, I have a friend who likes spending too much time on her phone, and she purchased a chunky phone, and she was like, "It's great. The only problem I have is I, you know, like taking photos." So I think she, you know, got into photography as a result. Well, I have seen those like grandpa phones. I have those like big numbers on them, <laughs> and I'm really tempted to get one of those now too. Yeah, but you can see immediately how changing that cue of having this attractive yeah. device with pretty color icons, yeah, and fun. You know, reactions and emoticons and connections to friends could change your entire life. It's hard. Like I feel oh, my yeah, my 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 brain rewiring itself because it's like, oh, you're not getting that dopamine that you would get if you were going through TikTok and have this like constant change. If you get bored in the first two seconds, you can just switch. Yeah. And so I feel it rewiring. It's very interesting. Yeah, and, and he makes this point. When it comes to habits, the key takeaway is that dopamine is released not only when you experience pleasure, but also when you anticipate it. So oh. if you're like, I'm about to be on TikTok, yeah. yeah. you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's the stuff. No, because what I would do is on busy days, I'd like go and like go to the restroom and I like look at TikTok while I was in the restroom. And I know that's really gross, but I'm also a habit. I am in the habit of like wiping down my phone every single day. So like, mm-hmm. it's fine. It's fine. But I like used to get that. And now like Mondays will come around and I'm like, oh, that's going to be something fun I'll do tomorrow. And then I'm like, nope. <laughs> wiping down my phone. <laughs> Okay, so his point is, it's the anticipation of reward, not the fulfillment of it, that gets us to take action. So when he talks about habit stacking, integrating stuff, what he's saying is, write down a list where you go, after this current thing that I do, after my current habit, I will do the habit I need. After the habit I need, I will do the habit I want. So if you watch and want to watch sports, but you need to make sales calls, after I get back from my lunch or break, I will call three potential clients. Need. After I call three potential clients, I will check ESPN. The want. The hope is that eventually you'll look forward to calling three clients or doing 10 burpees or, you know, doing 50 flashcards because it means you get to read the latest sports news or check Facebook, right? So the dopamine craving will come when you're doing the thing you don't like. That's I don't the like that. Part. I don't You're like, like that. oh boy, I get to make three calls. Yeah. That means ESPN. And your brain will be releasing dopamine. That's really fun. Um, another thing that he talks about is in the same way as you want to structure your life, like your physical environment, you also want to make sure your quote unquote tribe, the people you spend time with, support your activities. Okay. So if you're you know, wanting to lose some weight, um, it's worth hanging out with people who are into fitness. You know, they'll have suggestions, they'll give you advice, they'll, you know, generally have like an attitude and like other behaviors you can learn from. Um, the normal behavior of the tribe, he says, often overpowers the desired behavior of the individual. So one study found that when a chimpanzee learns an effective way to crack nuts open, a member of one group, and then switches to a new group but uses a less effective strategy, it will avoid using the superior nut cracking method just to blend in with the rest of the chimps. I heard a woman recently talk about the fact that when she moved, like, her friend group, like, she got rid of one friend group or for some reason they fell out or something like that, and she got a new friend group. She was living in New York City, and she was like, I'm surrounded by all these influential people. It's hard to not feel like I need to be doing more with my life. So, like, she's surrounded by people that are uh, work at Fortune 500 companies. They're great in investments and stuff, and they're giving her advice. They're giving her free advice that she would have to pay for normally, and she's like, it's hard to not be want to 
to be more successful when I'm surrounded by so many successful people. And so what I came out of that was, okay, you want to be surrounded by people that you love. Yes. But at the same time, you want to be surrounded by people that inspire you to be better. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's worth evaluating whether or not these people have toxic behaviors too, and sometimes it can be difficult. No, for sure, but yeah. I think, uh, especially, you know, you go on LinkedIn and see all these founders talking about how they became successful. A, they probably had money from their parents. Yeah. B, they probably had a lot of luck. And C, even if they had, like, good habits, they're still supporting, like, crazy, unhealthy lifestyles. I saw some lady who was like, oh, it's actually, like, really good that people on Twitter have, like, beds in their offices now and can't leave. Because, like, when I was a startup founder, like, I would work 90 hours a week and I'd sleep at my desk. And it's like, yeah, that's not a good thing. I'm sorry. I appreciate that. money and what comes with money, but I also appreciate sleep. Did you know that women need more sleep than men because women constantly are like recharging hormones? Like every single day we have a, a like men have a rechange of hormones every single day, but women have a rechange of hormones every 30 days or give or take a couple days in between. And so men need less sleep in that process because they're not, they don't have a longer hormonal cycle. Mm-hmm. And so they need like seven to eight hours as what women need eight to nine. Yeah. Mind blown. I don't have a degree in medicine or health, so I can either confirm or deny this. Oh, okay. Well. I have the best hormones. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. Um, and so, you know, form a tribe, form a group of people who, you know, align with your behavior. If you're trying to learn a language, try to find some, you know, if you're trying to learn Spanish, try to find some like English first time Spanish learners who are, you know, attempting to improve their skills as well. Join, dare I say, a Facebook group <laughs> that, you know, is people who are trying to pick this up. You know, just scroll on Reddit for tips and whatnot. Try to find, you know, like minded individuals who are in a similar situation and you'll be more likely to do it. Um, he also reiterates this idea of resetting a room. So if you like have a bad habit of watching TV when you're bored and like just spending hours watching TV without really any goal or yeah. TV show, just scrolling, uh, maybe place the remote back on the TV stand, arrange the pillows on the couch and fold the blanket. So every time you watch TV, there's then like, I have to do this thing afterwards. Yeah. Alternatively, make it harder to restart the urge. So unplug the TV every single time you're done with it. And then only if you can say the name of the specific show you want to watch, I want to watch White Lotus with with the pickle man. Um, That's the only time you can like turn on. Have a specific objective in mind for the habit. So your options are constrained by what's available to you. They're shaped by the first choice. Uh, If you open your fridge and the first thing you see is like cake, most likely you're going to eat cake. Why does so many people have cake in the fridge? What are you celebrating all the time? Uh, People kept giving me cake for my birthday. Yeah, because you were celebrating. Uh huh. Yeah. Look, everyone needs an emergency cake stash, but the thing is it should be an emergency cake stash. Put it at the back of your freezer, only if you really need it do you pull it out. I have emergency ice cream stash, and we eat it when we don't want to make dinner. Nice. <laughs> the other thing he talks about is when you start a new habit, it should take less than two minutes to do. So a new habit should not feel like a challenge. The actions that follow can be challenging, but the first two minutes should be easy. What you want is a gateway habit that actually leads you down a more productive path. Um, your goal might be to run a marathon, but the gateway habit is to put on your running shoes, right? You want to start a habit of every day before I leave the house. No, the gateway habit is finding shoes that you actually can run in. Shoes these days are so uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so for instance, if you wanted to be an early riser, um, some of the things that you would consider gateway habits are be home by 10 PM every night, have all devices like your TV or phone turned off by 10 PM every night. 
be in bed by 10 p.m. every night, reading a book or talking to your partner, turn the lights off by 10 p.m. every night, and wake up at 6 a.m. every day. Um, and he gives this really pretentious quote by mathematician Alfred North Whitehead, who wrote, civilization ex advances by extending the number of operations we can perform without thinking about them. And I'm like, that's a little, a little much for this book, Mr. I blog a lot, and now I'm world famous. <laughs> I feel like that's like, you talked about queer being like some sort of like self-pronounced habit mm -hmm. enthusiast, but I'm like, what is that but every single bestseller self-help book on the market now? Like, there's very few self-help books on the market now that are like, oh, I actually studied behavioral health or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a sociologist. Like, there's very few. All of them are like, I found love by dating a lot of people. And let me tell you my advice. Yeah, it's the whole, like, lottery ticket fallacy. Someone's like, I got rich by buying lottery tickets. Yeah. And you can too. Yeah, that might work for some people, but it's probably not going to work for a lot of but people. But what is that other than just our podcast? <laughs> um, another thing you talked about for behavior change is what is rewarded is repeated and what is punished is avoided so you learn what to do in the future based on what you were rewarded for doing or punished for doing in the past positive emotions cultivate habits negative emotions destroy them so I hear this advice every so often and this was something I briefly did before I was like this seems weird and that is if you're committed to getting something done put a large amount of money in like an envelope and give it to a friend and be like, I want you to shred this, or I want you to like give it to like an anti-gay charity, oh shit, public and national convention, um, and that will hold you to, you know, doing that thing and following through because you don't want the the RNC, you don't want NAMBLA, you don't want you know some anti-trans group to you know get all the money. The problem is, first, you haven't set up any of the actual habits that would support that behavior. Mm -hmm. The second thing is you're going to feel really, really bad and hate yourself if, like, that would ever, like, yeah. fail. And the third thing is, why would you even create a situation where these people get money? That's not good. I just remembered why I had that $10,000 in an envelope. I shouldn't have shredded it. <laughs> <laughs> Nail me! <laughs> you know I was trying to beat teen pregnancy? How dare you not allow me to self-actualize? <laughs> Boy, our, our humor is quite good. So again, what is rewarded is repeated. What is punished is avoided. Don't punish yourself for not doing something. Don't, you know, set up these systems where it's like, I'm a bad person and I deserve punishment for failing to do it. Reward yourself instead. So make avoidance visible. Open a savings account. Label it for something you want. Maybe like leather jacket. When you pass on a purchase, if you made a problem with online shopping, put the same amount of money in the account. If, you know, you, you skip a morning latte, transfer $5, pass on a month of Netflix, move $10 over, it's like creating a loyalty program. Uh, same thing, maybe you think you eat out too much. Maybe you think, you know, you don't go to the gym enough. Every single time you go to the gym, put $5 in the envelope, right? Soon you're going to have like a shit ton of money. But every single time you're doing this thing, you're rewarding it. Uh, Lauren and I did our episode where we talked about like different apps for couples. Yeah. And one of the things we're using is an app called Sweepy. And Sweepy keeps track of chores yeah. that you know people do around the house, and you can assign point values to them. And we decided that whoever has the most points at the end of the month, the other person has to buy like a Steam gift card or a Nintendo Switch gift card, so they can do something. The other person can do something fun because they did so much work. That's the cute. House. But again, the idea is reinforcing the Yeah. It's not like we're punishing you yeah. for not doing enough chores. It's giving the person who's contributing the most, you know, something nice. Yeah. So again, encouraging it.
So a habit needs to be enjoyable for it to last. Simple bits of reinforcement, like soap that smells good or toothpaste that has a refreshing mint flavor or seeing $50 at your savings account can offer the immediate pleasure you need to enjoy a habit. And change is easy when it is enjoyable. Um, so the last part is he finally goes into the different parts of the habit and tries to make it clear how you can create good habits and break bad ones. And again, I would really suggest you purchase a copy of this book. It's cheap. It's sold everywhere. There's digital and physical copies. It's actually in the nightstand at your hotel along with the Holy Bible and the Book of Mormon. <laughs> the three religious texts of our time. So how to create a good habit? You want to make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, and make it satisfying. How to break a bad habit? Make it invisible. And my mouse broke. Make it unattractive, make it difficult, and make it unsatisfying. So if you want to create a good habit, you want to make it obvious, you should fill out a habit scorecard, use implementation intentions, use habit stacking, and design your environment. You should make it attractive. Use temptation bundling, pairing an action you want to do with an action you need to do, join a culture your desired behavior is normal behavior, and create a motivation ritual. Do something you enjoy immediately before a difficult habit. Make it easy. Reduce friction. Decrease the number of steps between you and your good habits. Prime the environment. Master the decisive moment, optimizing the small choices and the outsized impact. Use the two-minute rule and automate them. Use like technology and one-time purchases that lock in future behavior. Also make it satisfying, so use reinforcement, giving yourself immediate rewards. Make doing nothing enjoyable when avoiding a bad habit, design a way to see its benefits. Use a habit tracker and never miss twice. When you get to do a habit, make sure you get back on track immediately. Don't like sit in the gloom and be like, I broke my you know 100-day Duolingo streak or whatever. Oh, that would suck. I was up to like 600 days at one point. Oh. And then I was like, I don't know if I'm learning anything. That's, That's fair. That's story. So breaking a bad habit, well, you want to make it invisible. So reduce exposure. Remove the cues of bad habit from your environment. Uh, make it unattractive. Reframe your mindset. Highlight the benefits of avoiding your bad habits. Make it difficult. Increase the friction. Uh, so the number of steps between you and your bad habits and use a commitment device. And make it unsatisfying. Get an accountability partner and create a habit contract, making the cost of your bad habits painful in public. Ask someone to watch your behavior too. Um, and then the last thing he kind of underlines is the greatest threat to success is not failure but boredom. We get bored with habits because they stop delighting us. The outcome becomes expected, and as our habits become ordinary, we start derailing our progress to seek novelty. Uh, you need just enough of winning to experience satisfaction and just enough wanting to experience desire. This is one of the benefits of following the Goldilocks rule. And if you're already interested in a habit, working on challenges of just manageable difficulty is a good way of keeping things interesting. So, Naomi, do you feel you've learned anything from this? I do. Good. Because we're going to sit down. I don't know if it's going to be today or at some point in the future. Okay. And map out at least three things we want to work on in the coming year. And then think about the habits to support it. I think that's a great idea. This is a contract between us <laughs> as brother and sister, as podcast partners. Oh, God. I'm in too deep. business executives of DTG LLC. Hot. Yeah. Anything you want to talk about before we close? I think um, we are all caught up. I think we're all caught up. Yeah, I, I, I want to return to the idea we brought up at the beginning, which is, you know, if you're thinking about goals to be a better person, be a better partner, be a better whatever in the coming year, don't beat yourself up if for whatever reason you don't get where you necessarily wanted to get. Um, focus on the fact that, you know, the process can sometimes be more important than the end result. Um, and, you know, don't bum yourself out. Yeah, be positive. Stay positive. I feel yeah. like all these are like harsh things, but they, they like set you up for success. But you also need to understand that sometimes you just need a little bit of a break. It's true. Yeah. 
I hope you guys have a great week. Use a condom. You're loved. Um, wear a jacket. Use a condom and you're loved. Use a condom while you're being loved. Can't meet that. <laughs>